Mirrors Podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So today is the last day of the book of Acts. And remember, we are in a modified chronological plan. The book of Acts has been really dope. We've seen how the gospel uh, literally was entrusted to the apostles, right? And how the church went from a early Jewish sect, uh, went from being an early Jewish sect to a world religion in less than 30 years. And this is partly because of, yes, the 12 in general, but also because of this man named Paul, right? Who uh, many would say is the most influential. I don't think this is even controversial anymore. The most influential Christian ever. <laughs> like without, <laughs> without Paul, fam, like we wouldn't have a lot of the new testament as we know so acts 25 picks up right where we left off in 24 we had paul still in custody in prison and he's been there so long fam that there's a new chief of staff in town right there's a new sheriff in office right and it's so funny because um first century jewish historian josephus uh says that the roman governor felix was only in office for two years and basically got terminated because he was unable to keep the peace between the Jews and Gentiles of his day. So now we get a new sheriff. His name is Festus. So we have Felix. Now we have Festus. And once this new governor comes on the scene, the Jews try and get him on their side by asking him to send Paul to Jerusalem. And basically, right, they was on some shady stuff. Basically, they were going to kill him on the way to Jerusalem, right? But by God's grace, this doesn't take place. Um, and what you see is they go back to Caesarea, which is 75 miles south of Jerusalem. And it is there that Paul makes his defense again. Right. When he arrived, it says the text says the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him and brought many serious charges that they were not able to prove. The text is at pains. Listen, the book of Acts is at pains to show Paul is innocent, uh, just like the Gospels were at pains to show Jesus was innocent. Right. Then Paul made his defense, neither against the Jewish law or, nor against the temple nor against Caesar have I sinned in any way. The text says that Festus wanted to do the Jews a favor. So he asks, did he want to go back to Jerusalem to be tried there? And Paul is sharp and God is providential because Paul is a Roman citizen. Listen, he says that the foreign, to forget, he says, no, no, forget the governor. I'm going to appeal to Caesar, the Roman emperor. So good. In other words, what Paul is saying is this, um, as a Roman citizen, this is going to keep him alive long enough for the gospel to go to Rome. Now, remember the central promise of the book, Acts chapter one, verse eight. The gospel has to go to the ends of the earth. Now, to go to the heart of the Roman Empire for them was the ends of the earth. Right. And but before that could happen, Agrippa, the second or Herod Agrippa, who we get introduced to in this text, uh, who was ruling over the northern part of Israel by the authority of Rome, comes to Caesarea and after Festus. Uh, updates him right on what has happened Paul gives his defense before him so you see Paul giving another speech now Paul keeps giving these speeches and he keeps saying a lot of similar stuff we're gonna get into in Acts 26 in Acts 26 Paul is given his chance to gi give an apologia right it's apologia right it, it, it is the Greek word for uh, an apology uh, where we get our word apology from or defense and when I, when I say apology I don't mean Paul was apologizing for anything definitely not but that this is where we get the word apologetics from, right? It is making a defense of the faith. And so Paul is providing a defense of the Messiah faith that he is preaching. And so basically, uh, he says this, I stand on trial because of the hope and what God promised to our ancestors to promise our 12 tribes. Very good. Very good language. Hope 
to reach as they earnestly uh, serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Listen, I don't think we have highlighted this in earlier episodes, but if you have been tracking with us uh, and have read carefully every single time, listen, every single time somebody gets up and preaches the gospel in the book of Acts, they mention the resurrection, right? They mention the resurrection. And I think the problem with a lot of our gospel presentations is that even if we might, we don't say it in this way, um, in our hearts, we we, we kind of leave Jesus in the tomb or we leave him on the cross, right? And Paul believes that the hope of Israel and the hope of the church is ultimately resurrection, that it's ultimately new creation, that it's ultimately this uh, new age, the age to come, breaking into the old age, right? And that being the key to our Christian life. And again, we major on the death of Christ so much, but the resurrection is where we see the ultimate victory of the Messiah over death, the breaking in of the new world into the old one, right? And this is the only hope for our broken world. And Paul is saying, this is the only hope for God's people. I love what he says too about the 12 tribes. I don't think I said this before, but um, one of the things that, um, maybe I have, one of the things that the Old Testament consistently says is that the 12 tribes will be restored. And, and this often throws off uh, many people of various theological systems. And you even see this in um, in uh, Revelation. But one of the things that the New Testament is trying to show, and I believe uh, the it, that's in line with the prophets, is that God is restoring his 12 tribes, but just probably not in the way they thought, right? This is where you get the whole imagery of the 12 disciples, the various regions that the, that the disciples are going to, the various tribes that uh, many of the disciples are from, the various tribes that uh, many of the early uh, Jews in the text and Israel in the text are from and so there is a restoration of the 12 tribes and israel as a whole and paul is proclaiming again not replacement theology but fulfillment theology this is the fulfillment of all of god's promises god is ultimately trustworthy all right acts 27 we get to this really long narrative paul and some of the early uh believers are on this extended journey by sea to rome and there are a ton of details here that we don't have time to get into however the main point is that listen even in the stormy waters that they are going through, God is the one driving the ship. That'll preach. We have to remember the same truth, right? This is for us. This, this, we, we, we read these texts and we hear these truths and we think that uh, this is for or about someone else instead of us, right? We have to remember that even in the stormy waters you are going through, God is the one really driving the ship look at the way paul encourages these believers in the midst of listen being on the sea and it's storming and the boat shaking right none of us probably have experienced if you listen to this, you probably haven't experienced this but this is crazy right they're literally fearing for their lives verse 22 says this now i urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of our lives of your lives but only of the ship <laughs> for last night an angel of god i belong to and serve stood by me and said don't be afraid paul it is necessary hmm, for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some island. He's like, no, we still got to do something practical. <laughs> I love it. I love the Bible. Um, it's so funny because he uses this phrase. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. I said this in the book of Luke, but um, in the Greek New Testament, this is one word, right? 
uh, Greek words and English words aren't one to one. This is one word, and basically, uh, the, when this is used, especially in Luke X, um, it, it it means for for Luke to say it's necessary. It means that what is about to what needs to happen or what is about to happen is a part of the sovereign plan of God. And what Paul does is he says, no, 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 like it is part of the sovereign plan of God. Listen, fam, listen, listen, bro. You know the gospel and the promises of God are in your bones, fam, when you can trust them when you're about to face death. Like that's when you really know it's in you, G. Like when you about to die and, 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 and the promises of God are on your lips, that's when you really know the gospel ain't just in your head, ah, but it's actually in your soul. And um, man, the point of this narrative, again, is that the journey that God's people are on, their voyage on this earth, is not smooth and easy sailing, right? When we are on mission for God's purposes. It is not smooth and easy sailing, pun intended. But it is knowing and being confident in the outcome that gives us endurance and strength on the journey. Right. This is a journey that we are on. I love what St. Augustine says in so many of his writings that we are on this journey. And um, yeah, knowing and being confident in the outcome that gives it's knowing and being confident in the outcome that gives us endurance as we journey. Acts 28, last chapter of this bunch, uh, last chapter of the book. Um, by the end, Paul finally reaches Rome. Right. And once again, Paul is so diligent and persistent. He goes to the Jews first. He goes to those who are in Rome and he goes preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. Some were persuaded, the text says, and the text says others weren't. And a ton of them get mad when he makes a statement about how some of them once again had resisted the spirit, just like their ancestors. The text says this, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. And you will always be looking, but never perceiving for the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turned and I would heal them. And I love what 28 says. It says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Hear this. They will listen. Listen, the blindness of God's people is still present. The blindness of Israel specifically is still present. And I love what the fifth century uh, monastic leader, St. Benedict says. He says, we listen with the ear of the heart. Right. We, we listen with the ear of the heart. The problem with Israel in the Old Testament, the problem with Israel after exile, the problem with Israel in the first century, the problem with God's people now. Right. Is that they didn't listen <laughs> or we don't listen. And our listening problem is not an ear problem. Our listening problem is a heart problem. And the problem is. Uh, that we need our hearts renewed and remade by the loving, sovereign hand and work of Jesus, right? We need our hearts renewed. And here it's the same thing. And it's so interesting because Paul's going to get up in, in uh, uh, Romans eleven twenty six and say that, you know, uh, all Israel will be saved, right? At the end of the time of the Gentiles. So in other words, Paul is saying right now, right? Uh, in this text, Israel is hard hearted. But when the Gentiles, the fullness of the Gentiles are brought in, right, the people that are in, a part of Israel will be safe. And I love how the text ends um, that, yeah, like Paul, it says, verse 31, like 
the kingdom of God. He was preaching the kingdom of God. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ without boldness and without hindrance. Right. We see just as Christ promised. Right. The gospel went to the ends of the earth, as we said before. But just how the book started was Jesus preaching the kingdom of God to the disciples. Now, Paul spends the rest of his life doing the exact same thing. I think the mantle, the charge for us is that we should follow in their footsteps, remain steadfast in proclaiming the same message, the message that the kingdom of God has come near in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that regardless of what comes, listen, we have a hope that not even death can take away. Let's pray. God, we ask that we will remember that we have a hope that not even death can take away. God, I pray that you will root this not just in our head, 